Hey, how you doing? I'm Steve Folland. Welcome to another one. Thank you for downloading. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by Freelancer Magazine, helping you grow a freelance business you love. Sharing inspirational stories from freelancers around the world, freelance-specific business advice, practical tips, trends, events, and lifestyle features. Honestly, Freelancer Magazine is so good. It's going to letterboxes all over the world. It's also going to inboxes because there's a digital version too. Either way, get yourself subscribed at freelancermagazine.com co.uk but if i were you mm, mm, get those sweet glossy pages in your hand right now something a little different we're going back to a guest we've spoken to on the podcast before but last time it was eight years ago so what's happened in the intervening years of being freelance for copywriter frankie shanahan less than a year after we recorded that podcast i had quite a major health crisis it basically sort of turned everything. Well, it turned life upside down in general. And then I had to sort of reshape my business. It really felt like make or break time. I had to make it work with the circumstances that I had. I had to build something to suit this new lifestyle that I was kind of being forced into. It was that or nothing. <laughs> yeah, so there is Frankie... Uh, so Frankie was on the podcast in September 2015. It's now September 2023. That is eight years. A lot could happen in eight years. And we're about to find out what that is. Frankie is also known as Love Audrey as her business and her online name handle. <laughs> what do you call that thing? Anyway, Frankie's great. If you really want to live the experience, you can go back, search in the Being Freelance podcast feed for Frankie's original episode. I'll put a link in the show notes as well. You can hear what life was like for her then. But yes, eight years. What has been happening? Let's find out and say hello to Frankie Shanahan, who is a freelance copywriter based in Bristol. <laughs> this is weird because obviously we've spoken before. Where did we leave you last time like if you can remember what what was your business and life like in September 2015 and then we'll come forward to to today yeah well what was my life like in 2015 completely different (laughs) my business was three years old something like that I had two children in primary school (laughs) which is just mad and I was working mostly with small businesses in the wedding industry and I was doing some of the same stuff that I'm doing now but I was also offering a few services that I retired a long time ago yeah I was working from my dining room table and mostly only working during school hours those very short primary school days that go in a blink of an eye (laughs) and life looks very different now so it might be hard to unravel it <laughs> but what what gradually changed services today like you've you've let things go how do you decide what to let go what do you add on that kind of stuff yeah well i guess a good point of reference for everything is actually less than a year after we recorded that podcast episode so if you fast forward to spring the following year 2016 I had quite a major health crisis. I was hospitalised with flu and a bacterial infection and was very, very poorly and in hospital for a period of time. And 
off the back of that, I developed a chronic illness. It took another sort of six months for me to be diagnosed, but I was eventually diagnosed with chronic fatigue syndrome. And that was a huge turning point for my business because it basically sort of turned everything, well, it turned life upside down in general. And then I had to sort of reshape my business around this new reality that I had living with this chronic illness. So that was a big line in the sand in terms of I had very limited energy. So I had to figure out, you know, what to use that limited energy for. For people who don't know, like what does chronic fatigue syndrome, like what was that like? How does that affect you? You say energy. Yeah, I mean, it's different for everybody. But I suppose the easiest way to explain it is like when you say fatigue, I think people think, oh, you're a bit tired. Um, but it's at its worst it's it's like bone crushing exhaustion it is like not having the energy to lift a cup of tea to your lips it's not having the energy to take a shower or wash your hair or sort of all those basic self-care that we take for granted maybe um and then there's like a whole other host of symptoms that kind of go alongside that like brain fog, poor balance, digestive things, headaches, chronic pain, aching muscles and joints. Yeah, like just a whole gamut of unpleasant symptoms, really. And there's no treatment for it. There's no cure. That sort of the only way to deal with it is to manage your energy. So sort of pace yourself. They they talk um they talk about pacing a lot. So kind of not pushing yourself to the point where you would get fatigued, managing your energy so that you um, sort of never overdo it and never end up in a flare, which was a big learning curve in terms of how I'd previously been running my business to how I could run it after I got sick, basically. I was used to really pushing myself and working very intensely and not really resting very much (laughs) didn't really know how to rest that had to change basically and I had to learn to listen to my body and sort of recognize the signs when I was doing too much Um, because the thing is that when you kind of with CFS at least for me if I do push myself too hard if I overdo it and I do end up in a flare then I can't do anything I'm useless it's literally like days in bed you know which is interesting when you're self-employed and there's no sick pay (laughs) so how did you um learn to adjust your business to work around that I would say I learned slowly and gradually through trial and error I obviously had this sort of period of time where I was very acutely unwell you know when I was in hospital and after I was discharged and Uh, Obviously, the clients I had at the time knew that I'd been in hospital and there was a lot of understanding and a lot of sympathy. And there was also sort of like an understanding that it would take me a while to recover. So I think when I was discharged from hospital, the the doctor said to me, you know, um, your body has just used absolutely everything it has to save your life, basically, to fight off this infection. And it's going to take you a good like six weeks to recover so for that first six weeks I just thought 
this was it was normal and, and and I was recovering and this was the process and there was a degree of understanding from from clients at that point that it, this was part of getting over this incident but I kind of got to that six week point and then I got to the eight week point and then three months later and I was going back to the hospital and saying you know what I, I don't feel I still don't feel well what's going on and you know it took another three months for them to sort of say yeah you're, you're probably not gonna get better than you are at this point or recovery is not gonna look like you might imagine or have hoped <laughs> that it would so yeah that and that's kind of where I had to think okay how, how do I navigate this and it was quite lucky because actually I ended up just by coincidence I had a few clients that kind of just naturally fell away at that point they decided to you know spend their money on other things or or whatever and maybe at any other time it would have felt like a disaster but actually I was struggling so much um that it, it suited me to sort of reduce my workload and things were quite challenging from a financial point of view at, at that point as well you know can't really can't sugarcoat that like I wasn't earning <laughs> a lot of money mm. um it was definitely it was definitely a tough period in that sense and I think it was sort of the the end of 2016 I had another client that went into administration which was a huge which was really stressful at the time I had unpaid invoices and things from them and it just it really felt like make or break time heading into 2017 I had to sort of figure out I had to make it work with the circumstances that I had and I had to build something to suit this new lifestyle that I was kind of being forced into because although running a business with a chronic illness was hard there's no way I could have gone into traditional employment I could not have I, I wouldn't it just wouldn't have been possible so it was kind of it was that or nothing <laughs> and, I, and I actually in hindsight I feel so lucky that I had I already had a foundation like I had something that I could reshape because I don't know what I would have done if I'd you know if I'd had to figure out how to go back to a, a job outside of the home or or something with more of a like you know nine to five working day I mean the, the sick pay might have been nice at certain points in that <laughs> period but um I yeah I wouldn't have been able to do it so I was grateful that I had something that I could reshape and to come back to your original question of sort of like letting go of retiring certain services, that was when I made the decision to sort of like stop offering things like social media management that had much faster, needed a faster turnaround and to be much more responsive and much more intense deadlines because I couldn't rely on my health to be able to sort of cope with the demands of that kind of service I needed to offer services where I could create lots of buffers and lots of like white space in case my health didn't you know play ball <laughs> I just learned to work in a different way slowly over time and it was quite at odds with the dominant freelance culture at that time I think things have changed a bit now but definitely, I think 
like 2016 2017 it was still kind of like the height of girl boss culture and hustle hard and in fact I think we maybe even talked about it a little bit at the on the podcast that, at that time mm. um this idea of like no days off or you can never have a holiday as a freelancer and how seriously you took your business was measured by the fact that you never stopped working on it you, you weren't ever not thinking about it so I think making a conscious decision to schedule rest into my days and my week, working weeks and to take holiday you know to take time off and that felt you know kind of at odds with that dominant yeah. culture at the time oh thank goodness that bit of life changed <laughs> <laughs> Mm. it still exists but you're absolutely right there is much more of a, a kindness to ourselves now it seems so you let go of those sort of services which were time sensitive mm. did you add things as well like has your the way your income you know it was you were very much working with you know one-on-one -on -one clients yeah I mean I think I've tried different things over the years I still make the bulk of my income writing words for other people I still have retainer clients that I create long-form content for blog for them regularly I still write websites and whatever people need words for you know marketing materials and and things like that that's still the bulk of my income but I do also do more in terms of education and training so more I've you know I've run workshops in that you know over the years you know that's had various different incarnations online in person but yeah not I don't think I've added I haven't really added anything sort of like drastically different and you were prim primarily working with the wedding industry mm, yeah and that's that's really where I uh you know I got my start I started out in the wedding industry and I still work with wedding businesses but it's a much smaller percentage now to be honest with you, I got a bit bored in my niche, <laughs> you know, and I do think like niching your business is a good idea. It does work. I think it is helpful in a lot of ways. But, you know, I think I'd been doing it for whatever, you know, five, six, seven years. And I just was craving something a bit different. And I think I started, I sort of naturally started to attract some different types of businesses. Actually, when I started to be quite open about my health online on Instagram and things like that and I started talking about what I was doing in terms of working on my own recovery in terms of self-care and well-being and things like that I started to naturally sort of attract clients in that sort of mm, arena um yeah I've now worked with a lot of sort of therapists and more sort of like well-being businesses a lot of coaches that's the other thing, though, is that a lot of the businesses that I worked with, you know, way back in the early days when they were wedding businesses, a lot of those business owners have gone on to do other things and started other businesses and or pivoted or, you know, and that's kind of naturally expanded the type of businesses that I've been writing for. So now I work with a much more eclectic range of businesses, but I think the sort of the niche that I'm in now is still that kind of female-owned, um, small creative businesses. And I think the common thread 
really that connects them all, even though they might work in very different fields, is sort of being um, being ambitious and wanting to like level up their business. Take you know, it's often either sort of like startups or it's people who've maybe had like a hobby business that they want to take more seriously and and sort of yeah develop. So it's definitely, I think that's definitely the the common thread between them all is that kind of ambition and, and drive. And I like that. I find that very fulfilling. So when you were like going through all of these things, were you doing it all by, obviously you've got your family around you, but you, were you doing it by yourself or did you have a coach or part of any groups or anything like that? Oh, well, <laughs> was it 2017? There was a kind of like a make or break point where I knew I had to kind of refocus and rebuild my business after the horrors of 2016 yeah so I think it was maybe the end of 2016 going into 2017 Uh, and I had an acquaintance that I'd met through blogging my lovely pal Charlie Swift Uh, and I had seen somebody else another blogger online talk about this concept of co-mentoring which was basically where you sort of find someone not necessarily in the same Uh, role as you but you know somebody else running a business someone with you know similar sort of goals or similar sort of desire to work on their business and you basically mentor each other and I thought it sounded like a really good idea I was really craving that kind of external input like a second opinion and it basically the thing that you sort of don't have when you're working on your own yeah that just someone telling you you're doing a good job or have you thought about trying this you know that that kind of that kind of thing and I just basically accosted Charlie in the back of an Uber we were coming we were coming back from something social together and we knew each other fairly well yeah you didn't just climb into the cab (laughs) (laughs) no no (laughs) it might have felt like that to Charlie I don't know um we was def- it was definitely like the early days of our of our friendship. We weren't sort of like super, super close friends or anything. But I knew that she had just gone freelance. And so I sort of suggested this idea to her and she was really up for it. And I think that was like it maybe November 2016. And we had our first co-mentoring session in the January. And we started meeting regularly once a month. Uh, and yeah just just mentoring each other and supporting each other and and Charlie was just starting out and you know building her services and and I was trying to rebuild and figure everything out after this horrendous year and it's probably I, I, I always say it's probably the best thing the best thing that I did for my business in what are we now 12 years I think was proposition Charlie in the back of that uber um and we still co-mentor each other now and we started a podcast off the back of co-mentoring which has been going since 2018 I think and yeah and I think we might have inspired a few other people to try co-mentoring absolutely (laughs) yeah whenever I get asked about co-mentoring I always refer back to you and your podcast um for that matter which is friends with business benefits so wherever you got this one go search for it that's so cool though so that's like a a a monthly kind of I don't know um yeah so it's a monthly chance to sort of say where you're at 
to see where they're at, to bounce ideas around? Yeah, I think the best thing has been that sort of like accountability, like having someone else to hold you accountable. If, you know, if you're somebody who is quite good at setting goals, maybe, or or like you have goals and you have things that you want to do, but you maybe struggle in terms of like taking the action or figuring out how to get to those goals. That's probably the, the greatest thing that Charlie gives me. The most valuable thing is that she reminds me what I'm supposed to be working towards and, and she helps me, yes, yeah, sort of stick to that path. That is so cool. What would you say you would look for in a co-mentor if, you, if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, hmm, who is that person? There's probably someone already in your network that you already know that would be you know, a suitable person. It needs to be somebody that you feel comfortable with, somebody that you trust. Don't feel that they have to do exactly the same thing as you. Um, Charlie and I, although there's like some overlap in terms of what our businesses do, we do very different. The actual like the, the job that we do is very different. She's a, a creative business mentor. I'm a copywriter. And so like we understand each other's businesses, but we also can bring a completely different perspective because we just do different things. It doesn't need to be somebody more experienced than you. You know, they don't, you don't necessarily need to be somebody who feels more senior or anything like that. Um, I think it's just, it's about finding someone kind of like-minded is probably the most important thing. And just, yeah, like just suggest it to them and, and see, like gauge their response. And I think their enthusiasm or, or lack of enthusiasm is probably a good good measure. Um, but yeah, I think trust and feeling comfortable because you'll get more out of it if you can be a bit vulnerable with them. And I think that's something I really value in the in that relationship is that, that we can both say like when things are really not great, um, <laughs> but also we'll celebrate each other's wins as well. So you know, you want someone who'll be happy for you when you succeed as well. How about, I'm sitting here wondering how clients find you these days. Back when we spoke in 2015, 95% of it was word of mouth. That's what you said. Yeah. And you've mentioned Instagram stories. You've mentioned clients evolving their own businesses, but you've also got a podcast. So yeah, how how do clients find you today? I think word of mouth is still is still a big one for me. And I think I mentioned last time as well that that like returning clients, um, you know, I, I feel really lucky. Also, it's not luck. It's, it's down to hard work, isn't it? And doing a good job consistently that people want to come back to you um, and work with you again. But I, I feel very grateful for that. So that's I still think that's like a big part of how people find me or how, how I how I get work. I think in recent years I've put a lot of energy into my own content so that as well as the podcast you know I blog regularly I have a mailing list I do show up on Instagram most days um so I think it's you know just being visible and being there (laughs) and showing up um is probably part of it um I don't necessarily think people find me through Instagram but sometimes I I think 
or the way Instagram works for me is it allows people to figure out that I'm someone they want to work with. I feel like it's where I build connections with people mm. that make them want to invest and work with me over anyone else kind of thing. And I think it helps with, um, like I said, with people with having like returning clients. I think that it, that Instagram, the content that I put out there plays a part in that. It's that kind of brand loyalty thing. People become quite invested, don't they? Or we do. We become invested with people's lives on the internet, I think. <laughs> um, I don't know if anyone has ever found me through the podcast, but I, I think that, again, it plays a similar role probably. The podcast is where I talk the most about business. That's where I'm the most businessy version of myself, I think, is on the podcast. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking, actually, because um, if you've not checked out Frankie's Instagram, obviously, there'll be a link in the show notes, uh, which is Love Audrey. There's another story. You've got to go back, listen to the original <laughs> podcast. Um, <laughs> but like your Instagram stories are very like they're not like a lot of businesses on Instagram will be sharing copywriting tips or do this, do that. Like it's very yeah. sort of focused on what they do you are much more focused really on it's almost like it's a vlog of your life it's like you're talking to the camera chatting about what you're up to your food your family like but it's daily it's consistent getting to know you yeah so first of all in terms of like sharing tips and advice I've been quite open about the fact that I'm really crap at that (laughs) I find it really hard like it's like a barrier that I have um, and whenever I do it, I get a massive vulnerability hangover like afterwards and I have to go and hide for a bit, which is which I don't get on the podcast. Like the podcast feels like a safe space and I can talk about copywriting and I can and I and I can really like lean into the decade of knowledge that I have <laughs> on, you know, in terms of what I do. And it's not that I don't feel like an expert. It's just that I find creating the sort of like bite-sized, very generalizing tips that Instagram kind of demands, I find that really hard. And I think I find it hard because I, I take a very bespoke approach to what I do. So I just, I find it really hard to, to sort of make sweeping generalizations like this is how you should write your copy or this is how you should write your about page. And I just think that maybe that's not my, that's just not my strong suit. So I don't do it. And I, I don't know, it seems to be working. It seems to be working okay. I, I like to think, I, I think of Instagram stories as like more behind the scenes. If my website is kind of my shop front, then Instagram stories is me like inviting you into the stockroom for a cuppa or something If once you've come inside. And it's partly evolved that way as well because of my health that I I figured out that if I if I like only showed up online when I felt healthy and like when I felt professional in, in inverted commas, then I wouldn't show up very often because I don't feel, you know, certainly and certainly when I was first ill, I just wouldn't have been able to show up at all, really. So. I think I just it evolved that way because it allows me to yeah to just be there no matter what's going on like what I'm feeling like I like to think I weave the work in and I talk about work a fair bit 
but yeah there's no I don't I'm not good with the whole tips and advice and really shareable graphics about how to do stuff but there are other people out there who do who do a really good job of that so I'm just going to leave that to them and I'm going to keep sharing my lunch every day (laughs) (laughs) all right back with Frankie in a moment don't forget as well as the being freelance podcast there is now the community you're not alone being freelance good things happen when you hang out with good people who are equally passionate about their business but also having fun whilst doing it you can ask questions you can be part of the more social things like the book club the virtual co-working the live q and a's the tea break socials if you don't know what i'm talking about Go to beingfreelance.com slash community and I'll see you in there. I'll put the cat on. Now, last time we spoke, you said, so this was like September 2015, you were saying how like it was the first summer you just had where you had like two weeks off. Mm. How have you managed over the past few years as, as in like taking time off? Yeah, really well. <laughs> last summer I took six weeks off, which was amazing. That had been a long-term goal of mine to take the entire summer off and I achieved it and I went to Australia for six weeks. That was incredible. So yeah, I still I feel like I feel like I, I got the taking time off thing pretty down, really. Yeah. <laughs> How did you prepare your business to take six weeks off and, and go off to Australia? So you didn't work the whole time you were there? I didn't work at all while I was there, which wasn't actually the plan. Like the first six months of, what was it, 2022, I worked very intensely. So I'm lucky that the the business model that I have, that I have these retainer clients with that have like, you know, a set package of content each month. And basically I spoke to them at the beginning of the year that this was my plan so that I would be working in advance on their content for the summer so that, that it would all be ready to go before I left for Australia, but that they would still pay in the same way as if it was being produced month to month. So I knew I would have income coming in while I was away. You know, I built up some savings, but also, you know, obviously you'd save to go on a big holiday anyway. But so, yeah, I built up some savings that kind of allowed me to do that. And I just wrote a really good out of office and said like see ya suckers I'll be back in September (laughs) no um and and I did show up I did show up uh on Instagram while I was away so I think I sort of stayed visible in that sense um and then when I came back I wrote quite a bit and and shared quite a bit about the experience as well and and I think most you know most of the clients that I spoke to like were so they were so supportive and so encouraging and it was a good reminder sometimes you know when you do things that maybe feel a bit scary like it's scary it's scary to step away from your business for six weeks I I didn't you know I didn't know and I was fairly confident it would be okay but you don't know do you and but it's a good reminder that when you do that it's kind of like it's it gives other people permission to do it as well and that's I think that's a positive thing isn't it you know sometimes taking a risk that's maybe that's can be like a motivating thing for you. Like if I do this, if I try this and it goes well, then other people will feel that they can do it too. So yeah, and I, I mean, I think even before taking that summer off, taking time off became like a non-negotiable 
thing for me. I I don't want to be a business owner who never takes a holiday. It doesn't. And I, I still think there's a little, I still think that attitude slips slightly lingers a little bit in, in the freelance world that being an entrepreneur, being a successful entrepreneur means never not thinking about work. And I, I know I don't want to be like that. You know, I take two weeks off at Christmas, two weeks off at the, in the summer, at least two weeks. And if I can think I can I can get away with it at any other point in the year, I'll take it off. I'll take that off as well. <laughs> Another big thing which must have changed since we spoke in 2015, because you, you already hinted your kids were both at primary school last time we spoke. Yeah, they were tiny. So I think I mentioned on the podcast that we were shopping for secondary schools for our eldest and that eldest child has just finished compulsory education completely. Uh, and my youngest is about to go into year 10. So he's about to start his GCSEs. It's a funny thing because we had children quite young. So my husband and I, we're, oft, we're often with, you know, if we're with people the same age as us, they've often got children a lot younger. So for context, I'm 40 and my eldest is 18. So I always want to be like, the beacon of hope for those people who are like still in the trenches of having small children and still like dealing with that school run twice a day and really feeling like their work time is limited that juggle because it gets so much easier it gets so much easier and your, your time your working day just gradually stretches once they start secondary school even they're out of the house much earlier you're not doing a school run they make their own way home. There's 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 way more extracurricular activities that don't cost anything, um, and it just it just shifts and changes so much. And now I barely see my children. <laughs> um, and then you know, and the weird thing is, is that you 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 pine for you pine for the old days when they when they wanted you to hold their hand and walk them to school. But yeah your working day just stretches and you get more headspace. And it's not to say that parenting teenagers isn't demanding, definitely is, in in a different way to parenting, you know, toddlers or, you know, young school age children, but it's different. And I think I think maybe you asked a question about, you know, what did I want for the future? And I think I said something about my business just like evolving as my children grew up and that is exactly what's happened yes it's just shifted and evolved each time there's been a transition and you know this time next year we might only have one child at home my eldest has got plans to go off traveling and hopes to go off to drama school so yeah it's crazy and I think when you're in the when you're really in the depths of that time where it's really difficult when they're small and especially like the school holidays they demand you know the, the demands of the school holidays where they really do require like supervision and entertainment you know t the entire time they're awake it's so hard but it's uh, it's so fleeting it doesn't feel like it at the time but it but it is I mean what's that thing you know the days are long but the years are short or something and you know they're very self-sufficient nowadays they don't really need me I'm a bit obsolete <laughs> <laughs> far from it i'm sure 
it's amazing. It's a, your business has evolved around your family. It's evolved around your health as well, mm. and also around your interests. It's changed a lot. Yeah. And yet, it still still it still feels very linked to twenty fifteen. You. Yeah. I mean, listening back to that episode, I did feel like, oh, like baby Frankie. She didn't know. She didn't know what was, <laughs> what was coming. What was just around the corner. I don't know. It did make me cringe a bit, but. I also think I think I, I talked about not wanting to just adhere to like somebody else's definition of success, like to figure out what success means to me individually, you know, individually. Like I think it's really easy as when you're self-employed and especially if you've come from a different background, like if you've come from something more corporate or like it takes a while to unravel yourself from the brainwashing of of that traditional workplace or just like even when we were at school you know what we were taught was possible you know our generation I think it'd be different for, for younger people because working for yourself and working from home feels much more of a possibility now than it probably did like 30 years ago when I was at secondary school or whatever we didn't even know that what we do now was possible the internet didn't exist as it does now and we didn't have social media and things so I think yeah it's really important to figure out what we think success looks like and I think that can be constantly evolving as well you know like you said I think as your interests change as your family grows up as whatever your health or just aging you know <laughs> and I think in recent years for me one of the things that I feel something that means success for me is that my job isn't necessarily the most interesting thing about me and I think that's like a shift for me I'm very different from my parents and I was brought up to kind of think about what a career is both my parents had I think they had they felt they had a vocation you know my mum's a nurse my dad was a film editor everything was about work not not necessarily at the expense of family but I just think that that's it's very like a defining part of their identity and I sort of not kind of completely outright rejecting it sorry mum listen to this (laughs) but just maybe wanting something a little bit different like I just want there to be more than just what I do for a living um so yeah that and in terms of like work-life balance that's become quite important to me that I pursue things or like I put the same weight it's just an equal priority like what I do in my free time and what I do for work and part of that is comes back to my kids growing up because I guess there's a time of life where you're working and you're giving everything to your children they're getting the the rest of you kind of thing and now my children need me less so I can be a bit more selfish and do things just for fun for me and kind of connect with that connect with the or figure out who I am outside of work. Nice. Um, Frankie, if you could tell your younger self, and by your younger self, I mean 2015 Frankie, one thing about being freelance, what would that be? I actually wrote this down because it felt really important. I wrote down what I wanted to say. This is what I would tell 2015 Frankie. Um, If you don't make time for wellness, you'll be forced to make time for illness. And you can achieve your wildest creative dreams going slow and resting often. Mic drop. (laughs) Wow. 
I was going to say, especially, I'm, I'm imagining 2015 Frankie actually being visited by 2023 Frankie and like... <laughs> the, ghost, the ghost of freelance life to come. Yeah. yeah, it is quite a Dickensian kind of, wow, what does she mean? <laughs> I know. I'd have probably completely dismissed her. <laughs> I wouldn't have listened. But, yeah. Do you yeah. know what I love as well, though, is that what, what something that really stuck... T- I remember because I, I was fairly new to full time freelancing when I started this podcast and when we spoke and hearing mm. you say that thing about, you know, like setting your own what success means to you, especially in this world of hustle, hustle. that it was then in particular um, yeah. really stuck with me and that I've shared many, many times when I've given talks and things about freelancing ever since. So it's cool to hear that you've not gone, yeah, I was wrong about that. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, I, I, I would double down. Past Frankie was right about that, definitely. She was quite wise. She had her moments. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she was all right, wasn't she? Frankie, thank you so much. Go to beingfreelance.com. As there are for all our episodes, there will be a transcription. You'll find show notes. You'll find a link through so you can find Frankie online. And like we mentioned earlier, do check out the podcast, Friends with Business Benefits. But for now, Frankie, thank you so much. It's been such a joy to chat again. And all the best, Being Freelance. Yeah, thank you for having me. so good chatting to frankie and i'm glad to hear that she's doing okay in amongst everything on the way in future episodes i'm going to be chatting to more of the previous guests from the early days of the being freelance podcast so seven or eight years ago they're going to be littered in amongst new guests as well what i forgot to mention so far though is if you're listening to this as it goes out new episodes are going to come every other week they used to be weekly when the seasons were on but these are so much effort to create and promote but in amongst everything else i do because we do so much live stuff in amongst the community we have the course for new freelancers not to mention my own freelance podcast and video business and hanging out with my family and eating rather too much ice cream all takes up time right so every other week for new episodes also i just wanted to say because frankie and i didn't touch on this but if you sit there and you're worrying about how would you cope if something like what happened to frankie were to happen to you then I recommend checking out something called Income Protection. This isn't like an affiliate. This isn't an advert. This is just a bit of advice. As always, with any financial products, you should do your own research. Yada, yada, yada. Okay. But there is a thing that you can do called Income Protection. And it's kind of like a little insurance policy. You pay in a little each month and then it will pay out effectively a salary each month to cover you while you're ill. Let's say you break an arm and you can't write or, you know, you end up with a longer term conditions such as Frankie so lots of different policies in different countries they might even be called different things they might not even be available but here in the UK I know it's called income protection and I know that because when I first started freelancing I was attacked by a dog and it was that point where I thought man what if this was worse because how would I pay if I couldn't work and that took me down the investigative route that discovered for me income protection obviously it's one of those things you have to really consider but it's also one of those things that you have to take out and it's kind of like a gamble as with any insurance isn't it will something happen to me further down the line it gives me a peace of mind so anyway something to think about Right, I'm out of here. I'll see you for another one very soon. Indeed, a couple of weeks from now as this goes out. 
But every day I'm hanging out in the Being Freelance community. So come say hello, beingfreelance.com slash community. All right, you have a great week. Being Freelance. Thank you.